Please take your Bibles and go to John's Gospel. John's Gospel, chapter 17. John's chapter 17. Uh, if you're visiting and need a Bible in the chair in front of you, a black Bible, go towards the back. Find page 87. Page 87. John 17. We're going to finish the Lord's Prayer this morning. <clears throat> finish the Lord's Prayer. John 17, verses 20 through 26. 20 through 26. I have to do this. It's going to be odd. John 17, 20 through 26. We're finishing up the Lord's Prayer. Again, page 87 in a black Bible. John 17, verses 20 through 26. Let me read, and then we will dive into the passage. John 17, 20. But not concerning these alone I ask, but also concerning the ones who believe into me through their word, that they all may be one just as you, Father, in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, in order that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave to me I gave to them, in order that they may be one just as we are one, I and them and you and me. In order that they may be completed into oneness, in order that the world may know that you sent me and love them just as you loved me. Father, the ones you gave to me, I desire that where I myself am, even those ones may be with me, in order that they may see my glory which you gave to me, because you love me before the foundation of the world. Verse 25. Righteous Father, indeed, the world has not known you, but I have known you. And these knew that you sent me, and I revealed to them your name and will reveal in order that the love which you love me may be in them and I in them. It's intriguing to me to learn about how the Scotland, the Scots, they fought long and hard to gain their independence from England in the early 1300s. Hollywood will give you your, their rendition of everything with uh, Mel Gibson his blue face. William Wallace didn't have a blue face. That's, that's, that's made up. What's intriguing though is the unity that William Wallace and then later Robert the Bruce created amongst Scotsmen to fight for their freedom from England. It's intriguing to see that. To see how these guys, they united a whole country behind them. That's, that's a huge daunting task to do. That's hard. And they did it. William Wallace and then later Robert the Bruce. You can go to your history books and look at that. I, I love to read history and watch history and things like that. 1300s, we read about this. So how much greater then? I like to do these comparisons with you. The lesser to the greater. How much greater should unity be amongst us as God's children? 
as God's people. Because our unity, it parallels and then partakes of Trinitarian unity. The unity between the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Our unity parallels that and our unity even partakes of that or shares in that unity. How much greater? Come know Jesus is the theme in in John's gospel. Come know, believe, trust, receive Jesus. And if you're here, you don't know Jesus, you should come to receive Jesus. And for us as followers of Jesus, this has been so encouraging to us these words from chapters 13 to 17 because Jesus is like he's speaking to us and and he was in a sense. These are encouraging words because we come to know Jesus in a deeper, fuller, meaningful, more way. That's what happens, coming to know Jesus in a deeper way, more meaningful way. And today we'll see this. Come know Jesus. Come know him in Trinitarian unity. Trinitarian glory, Trinitarian love. Trinitarian unity, Trinitarian glory, Trinitarian love, the call to unity, the call to glory, the the call to love in the Trinitarian way. So Trinitarian unity, Trinitarian glory, Trinitarian love. Let me give you a a statement which succinctly packs this in in verses 20 through 26. Jesus prays for us to have Trinitarian unity, glory, and love. It's kind of a maybe too simplistic way to put it, but I think it, it kind of captures the idea. So if you need to fall asleep, you can fall asleep now. So let's review, though, what Jesus has been praying. The Father glorified the Son by giving Him authority over everyone so that the Son would give life to the gift from the Father that was given to Him. And the Son glorified the Father by obeying Him. He went to the cross and revealing Him everything we need to know that we must know about the Father. It's found in Jesus Identity and mission, right? Identity and mission, identity and mission. Everywhere throughout John's gospel, the identity and mission of Jesus. If you want to know about the Father, if you want to know everything you need to know about God, it's found in Jesus' identity and mission. That's how the Son glorified the Father. And then Jesus prayed for his disciples. As he prayed for them, we saw he was praying for us to to keep us loyal to the truth, to keep us from the evil one, uh, to consecrate us in the truth. And here, in verses 20 through 26, the last part of the high priestly prayer, the Lord's Prayer, Jesus continues to pray for us. There's a couple other ways to put this passage. There's a shorter statement than a longer statement. Paralleling and thus partaking in Trinitarian unity displays Trinitarian love, which leads to worldwide missions. Paralleling this Trinitarian unity, which will bring about partaking in Trinitarian unity, it will truly display Trinitarian love, which leads to worldwide missions. So if you want worldwide missions, the place to start is not doing missions. The place to start is unity in a body. That's where you start. 
paralleling and thus partaking in Trinitarian unity truly displays Trinitarian love, which leads to worldwide missions. So that's the shorter statement. Here's the longer statement. Jesus prayed for us that we be one, paralleling Trinitarian unity and thus partaking in Trinitarian unity, which means we have Trinitarian love for us and in us, all of which testifies to the world that the Father sent His Son and loves us just like He loves His Son. That's a longer statement of how to put this passage and what Jesus prays for us, us specifically. And we'll also see, He prayed we'd see the full extent of His glory given to Him by the Father because the Father has loved His Son for all eternity. So Jesus prayed his mission would glorify the Father and also prayed that as a result of his mission his followers would be preserved from evil, see his glory, share in Trinitarian unity and love and display that same love toward other Jesus followers. I'm summing things up for you now. The whole of chapter 17. God's mission was consecrated to be our mission as Christ's body. And it will never fail. We will not fail. Why? Because it's sanctioned by the Trinitarian God. If the triune God sanctions this, you think we'll fail? No way. God's ultimate purpose is His glory, and this glory is primarily and ultimately revealed in the Son's identity and mission. Who He is and what He's done. The person and work of Christ. The person, God-man, the work He went to the cross. His identity and mission. And God's mission is not only sending the Son, but also the Son sending us to represent Him to the world. We go calling them to join us. Uh, what was it? We were uh, singing that, uh, O Church Arise. Uh, calling those out of darkness. That's probably not the right words, but that was the idea. We call people to come out of darkness to, to join us to the light. That's what we're doing. We represent to the world Trinitarian unity, glory, and love amongst each other. So, that's the longer statement, so let's break this down now. First, Jesus prays for us, look at verse 20. And by the way, I'm, I'm reading from, I did an English translation from the Greek, so it might sound a little choppy, not from NAS. The NAS confused me, so I just went from the Greek and I wrote it out. So this is, I'm gonna go to this, this is helpful to me. <laughs> so if it sounds kind of odd, that's why it sounds odd, because I'm reading it like that. Verse 20, but not concerning these alone I ask, but also concerning the ones who believe into me through their word. Now Jesus is specifically praying for us. Future disciples, who will come from these 11 disciples? For the future church, which by the way tells us God is the author of our salvation. God chooses people to be saved. That's implied here. So Jesus prays for us. Jesus prays for us to have first, number one, Trinitarian unity, paralleling that and thus partaking of that. When you parallel unity, you will partake of that unity. That's what that means. Verse 21, 22, and 23. Notice verse 21. This is what he prays. That they all may be one just as you, Father, and me, and I, and you, that they also may be in us, in order that the world may believe that you sent me. Now notice first, there's a threefold prayer request for us believers as the body. First one, 
that our unity to parallel the unity of the Father and the Son. Trinitarian unity. Paralleling and thus partaking. That's the first thing that Jesus is asking and praying for us. So what does that mean? That our unity, our oneness, would parallel the oneness between the Father and the Son. It would be like it. It would be similar to that. So our unity is built or established on their unity. It's equivalent to theirs, the Father and the Son. Another way to put it, as Jesus enjoyed unity of oneness with his Father, in the same way, we as Christ's body should be united to each other. The Father and the Son are one in their being, and yet they're two distinct persons. So it doesn't mean you're you're not distinguishing yourself. We should be one in the same way, yet distinct persons, of course. One writer puts it like this, our unity as Christians is built on Trinitarian unity, quote, controlled by, defined by, and shared by the unity of the Father and the Son. Uh, Notice what Jesus says, verse 21, they also may be in us, Now it's not just paralleling. Now you're actually partaking. A unity amongst us that shares or or partakes in the very unity between the Father and the Son. So we're not just paralleling now. It's not just like it. We're actually sharing in this. That's why I'm putting my hands together like that. So first we parallel that and now we share in it. We're partaking of that unity that the Father and the Son have between each other. In purpose, in love, in action, our unity parallels their unity, which leads to partaking in their unity or in their oneness. Uh, Look at what Jesus says in verse 22. In order that they may be one just as we are one, I in them and you in me. Notice how that corresponds with verse 21. Uh, In me and I in you. It corresponds with that. Notice the next part of verse 23. In order that they may be completed into oneness, he says. That's the literal translation. Completed into oneness. I in them, you in me. And that's the purpose. They're brought into complete oneness. So Jesus prayed that our unity would parallel their unity and partake of their unity. Okay. Well, how does that happen? He's praying for that. But how do we make this happen? That's the next question. How do we obtain Trinitarian unity? How do we do this? He's praying for it that our unity would parallel that. He's praying that our unity would share in the unity between the Father and the Son, but how does it come about? Verse 22, and the glory which you gave to me, I gave to them so that they may be one just as we are one. That's how it is, friends. It's in the glory. We are given this glory. What does he mean by glory, though? Okay, 
Let's ask that question. Let's answer that question. Glory, this means the manifestation of God's being, of God's character, of his presence. How is that seen? Ultimately, in the son's identity and mission. His identity, the God-man. His mission, the cross, being glorified. So that glory, God manifesting himself he manifested his glory in his son. That glory is given to you. That glory is given to you. It's given to us and that we, we manifest God in receiving the son. It's the same Shekinah glory. Do, do you remember this glory back in chapter one? Verse 14, John says, the word became flesh, remember this, and tabernacled among us. Remember the tabernacle in Exodus? It dwelt with us, and we saw his glory. Glory as one begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. So what does this mean? It's that glory Jesus gave to us in revealing himself to us. He revealed himself to us. He made himself known to us. The fullness of the Father, the full disclosure of the Father's in Jesus, and he made that known to you, O church. And then when we obey, know, receive, understand, and believe that glory from the Father, who is the Son, we have that glory. We have it. And the purpose of having that? Notice what Jesus says in verse 22. And the glory which you gave to me, I gave that to them. And what's the purpose? So that they may be one just as we are one. That's how we can be one. We're one in the gospel. We're one in truth. That's how oneness comes. You know, some people say that you must... Let go of your doctrine so we can unify. That is absolutely contradictory to what Jesus says here. The glory of Jesus is the revelation of Jesus. It's all in who he is. It's all about truth, man. You don't let go of truth. You embrace truth to unify. Put it a different way. The gospel of God rooted and grounded and surrounding the identity and mission of Jesus is what binds us together as one. Much stronger than blood ties. Grace is stronger than blood. The purpose of giving to us this glory is so that our unity would parallel their unity and then we end up partaking of their unity. So the way to obtain this unity is we talk, speak, lift up. What's about coming out of our mouths is gospel truth, the gospel truth, the Jesus identity and mission, his, his godness, he's God, man, and he died for us. That's what unifies us, friends. That's how, that's how we obtain this unity. We're committed to the truth of the gospel. Our love for each other is joyful self-sacrificing. We're committed to God's mission to proclaim Christ to the world completely dependent on the Spirit. We're going to talk more about that in a moment. 
How do we obtain Trinitarian unity? We looked at that at verse 22. Go to verse 25 now. You'll see it happen here. Verse 25. Righteous Father. Notice how he addresses the Father. He's righteous. He always does what's right. He's a standard of rightness, and yet he's close to us, the Father. He dwells with us. We have a relationship with him. Righteous Father, indeed, the world has not known you. That word known is the same word that's used in verse 23, that the world may know you, which correlates to a word in verse 21, that the world may believe in you. They correlate together. Indeed, the world has not known you. That's why we need to tell them Right? The world has not known you, look again, verse 25, but I have known you. Jesus' mission did not fail. He knew the Father. Why? Because he's the self-expression of the Father. The, the ultimate self-disclosure of the Father is found in Jesus. I know you. Same word used here. The world does not know. Same word used in verse 23, the world may know. It's the same word. And notice, and these knew that you sent me. Same word. He made himself known to his disciples, us, in that we believe that the Father sent the Son. He made himself known to us. And then look at what he says here now in verse 26. And I made known to them. That's a different word. It's not the word known from verse 25 or in verse uh, 23 or in verse correlated in verse 21. That's not the same word. It's a different word. It means to reveal. I have revealed to them your name. Jesus revealed all that entails the Father's character and nature by virtue of himself. I have revealed yourself in my identity and mission. I have revealed you, Father. I'm the ultimate revelation of you, Father. I've revealed to you them, your name. And notice he says, and will reveal your name. Because it correlates with what he said previously. I've revealed your name. I will reveal your name. Well, How's he going to do that? Jesus doesn't say it here, but he said it in previous times as he was talking with his disciples through the other paraclete. He's going to do it through the Spirit. I will reveal myself to them through the Spirit. So that's how we know him. He reveals himself through the Spirit. Look at the purpose, verse 26. In order that the love which you love me may be in them And notice he says, and I in them. When we have that love for each other, we'll talk about love in a moment, it is a mark of Jesus dwelling in us of the oneness we have with the Trinitarian God. How do we come to, how do we have this unity? We must be revealed this in truth of who Jesus is and his mission. The love the Father has for the Son is so connected and linked to Jesus himself that if Jesus followers, we as Jesus followers have that love in ourselves, then that means we have Jesus dwelling in us. We're sharing in that unity. So we've seen Jesus prays for unity, paralleling that unity and then partaking of that unity, right? We looked at how we get that unity through the glory. He's given that to us. 
Okay, so now here's a second aspect that Jesus prayed. Number two, Trinitarian unity displays Trinitarian love. He prays that for us. That Trinitarian unity will display Trinitarian love. And notice the first aspect, Trinitarian love for us. Look at verse 23. He says, I in them and you in me, there's the unity. The purpose that they may be completed into oneness. And notice the purpose in this. Remember that the world may know that you sent me. We'll look at that in a moment. And love them just as you love me. Trinitarian unity displays Trinitarian love for us. Friends, this relationship is not just about unity and purpose and action, but also in love. The same love that the Father has for the Son is the love that the Father has for us. The gift that the Father gives to the Son. Isn't this amazing? The Father loves you, Christian, like He loves His Son. Do you see what Jesus says here? Trinitarian unity, it displays this love for us. The love that the Father has for His Son is the same love He has for His children. Which is why I say to you, if you're here, you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. You want that love? You can have that love. God will not condemn you though you deserve it. God will not judge you though you deserve it. I deserve it too, but he will show love. He will show you grace because he poured out judgment on his son on the cross so that you can get the love that he has for his son. Come, repent, and trust Christ. He'll save you. You'll experience that love not just love for us, but now that love is gonna be in us, in us. Look at verse 26. We talked about this already. I reveal to them your name. I will reveal your name through the Spirit, right? What's the purpose? In order that the love which you love me may be in them. So now this love is not just for us. This love is now in us, a love that has been for the Son for all eternity. We'll look at that in a moment, verse 24. It's also a love that is for those gifted to the Son. It's in us, maybe in them, that we'd have that same love for each other. What kind of love? The love that the Father has for His Son. That's the same love that God has for you and that's the same love that should be in us for each other. This love from the Father is not only for us, it's in us. In other words, we are loving each other in the same way the Father loves His Son. Notice that link where he says, love may be in them and I in them, which links to verse 23 He says, I in them and you in me, which links up to verse 21, that they may be one just as you, Father, in me and I in you. Notice this linkage between Christ in us and his love is in us. If you don't have the love of Christ in you, you don't have Christ. 
That's what John says in his letter, 1 John. If you don't have the love of Christ in you, O Christian, then you don't have Christ. How do you know that? Jesus just prayed that right here and linked that together. To have Christ in us is to have his love in us. So, this means our unity as a body. Our unity as a body is not something that merely happens because we, hey, let's hang out together. It's not a call to organize or, or form a, a knit-tight group of friendliness, cooperation, camaraderie. It's not because we're all American nationalists. Our favorite football team. Uh, we all like the same food. All the sushi lovers on this side, all the non-sushi lovers on that side. You can be a part of the church, you're not part of the church. I'm just kidding. That's, that's not what binds us together. It's deeper than that. It's supernatural. It's of the Spirit. It's Trinitarian. It reflects God in His glory. So, so Jesus prayed that when He will make known the Father's name to His followers through the Spirit, the paraclete, the purpose is that we will display and share in the eternal Trinitarian love. So that means knowing God is participating in this kind of love. And when we receive this love, we share in the person of God known ultimately in the identity and mission of His Son, Jesus. That always keeps coming up, doesn't it? So this, this Trinitarian love, a love that the Father has eternally for the Son, we'll see that in just a moment, that's what motivates us. That what's, what rules our lives it should dominate us as Christians in the body. It displays the very glory of God to this world. We'll see that in a moment. And it drives us towards missions. We are living testimonies to God's unity, to His glory, to His love. We share in their unity. We share in their glory. We share in their love. So, let's recap. He prays for unity. Paralleling that and then partaking of that unity. Trinitarian unity displays Trinitarian love. By the way, we saw how, how we get that unity. It's based upon the truth of the gospel of who Jesus is and identity and his mission. We're called to unite. We're called to love. Then here's the third aspect. I told you there's three. Here's number three. Trinitarian unity and love testifies to the world. It testifies to the world. First, it testifies the Father sent the Son, look at verse 21. That they may be one just as you, Father, and me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, in order that the world may believe that you sent me. Drop down to verse 23. In order that the world may know that you sent me. So to believe is to know. To know is to believe. That correlates there. So the Trinitarian unity that we have and this Trinitarian love is going to testify to the world that the Father sent the Son. 
It's a testimony. It proclaims to the world the gospel that the Father sent his Son. Here it is. As this unity is completed and love is displayed, its purpose is to be a testimony to the world. This is what relationship with God looks like. You look at us. How the body treats each other. How the body's committed to each other. How the body has allegiance and devotion to each other. So when the world sees that, you're like, what? What is that all about? That's, that's just weird. It testifies to them so that they may believe, so that they would know, Father, you sent me. Our very existence as a church testifies to the great nature and acts of unity in that the Father sent the Son into the world. It testifies our very existence. So he prayed that we may be one, paralleling the oneness between the Father and the Son, and we we partake of their unity because they gave us their glory and we display Trinitarian love. This testifies to the world. The Father sent His Son and not just that. The Father sent the Son and the Father loves us like His Son. Look at verse 23. In order that the world may know that you sent me and love them just as you love me. when we are united together, manifesting God's glory in our unity because we're given that glory, then the world will know that the Father sent the Son and that the Father loves us, Jesus followers, just as he loves his Son. Our oneness and love together, which is equivalent to the unity and love between the Father and the Son, It testifies to the world that the Father sent the Son and He loves us like His Son. So our unity is bound in truth and bound in love and that testifies to the world. So I came up with this statement. Trinitarian unity, glory, and love leads to worldwide missions. Calling to unite calling to love and we're called to missions so that's unity which happens through the glory which is seen in this love that's what leads to missions it's too bad Southern Baptists they just don't understand this they think what unifies us is because we have missions at our goal that's not what unifies us what unifies us is truth Trinitarian unity a unity that parallels their unity and then partakes of their unity. A unity that's bound in the truth of the gospel. A unity that displays this love that the Father has for His Son. He loves us in that way. And we love each other like that. Friends, that's what's supposed to spur us on towards missions. Shoots us out to give people the gospel. So Jesus prays these three aspects here from verse 21. And then he also prays this, which we haven't looked at yet. And Jesus also prays for us to see his full glory. Look at verse 24. Father, the ones you gave to me. Now stop there. This is the gift from the Father to the Son. 
This goes all the way back to chapter 6, verse 37. All that the Father's given to me, I lose none. There's a gift. All Christians, all believers from, from all of eternity, from since the human time of human history, this gift, these chosen ones are taken from the Father. Yes, yes. No, yes. Are taken from the Father and they're given to the Son. That's the gift. Election. The doctrine of election. That's what that is. So, Father, the ones you gave to me, I desire that where I myself am, even those ones may be with me in order that they may see my glory. Jesus desired to dwell with his people. Look at this. But not just be with us, but so that we'd see his glory so that we could share in that glory. We, he could share that glory with us. Why? Look at what he says, verse 24. Why? Because you loved me before the foundation of the world. The Father has eternally loved the Son, the Son who displays the glory of the Father in his identity and mission. Jesus wants to share that glory with you. Which will happen when he returns. Jesus wants to share the full measure of his glory with his people, a glory given to him by the Father who loved him with eternal love. And Jesus is talking here about the full magnification of his glory. It's, it's totally shown. So, when we share in the delight of being loved by the Father in the same way he loves his Son in the future, we will share in the glory. Here it is. We will share in the glory to which the Son was restored after the glorious cross. You'll share in that glory. Jesus wants to share with you that glory. It's amazing that he would want to do that. This is how much he loves his people. So come away. If you, if you walk away from anything, walk away from this, and it's amazing that the Father loves us like he does. Unbelievable. Jesus, pray for us. We be one, paralleling Trinitarian unity and then partaking in Trinitarian unity, which means we have Trinitarian love for us and in us all of which testifies to the world that the Father sent His Son and loves us just as He loves His Son. And He prayed. We see the full extent of His glory given to Him by the Father because the Father has loved Him for eternity. Paralleling and thus partaking in Trinitarian unity truly displays Trinitarian love which leads to comprehensive missions. We're called to unite around truth. We're called to unite around truth and around this love that the Father has sent in His Son who's the full disclosure of the Father. It's in Jesus' identity and mission. So Jesus prays for us to have Trinitarian unity, glory, and love. I know it's, pretty a, it's a short way to put it, but I think it's, it's, it sums it up rather well. And don't forget this statement either. 
Trinitarian unity, glory, and love, that's what leads to worldwide missions. That's what Jesus is praying here. So let's pray for us to have this. Let's do that, can we? Our Father, we pray that through the Spirit who's making known the word even now as we were looking at the word that we will lift up and focus ourselves upon the Lord Jesus, the God-man who died for us. That's where glory is found. And you gave that to us. So may that be, that truth, be what unites us together as a body. A unity that parallels your unity. Sharing in your unity. Which will display that love. What love that you have, Father, for the Son. Which is the same love you have for us and the same love you put in us. That may drive us to mission to call the world to join us, waiting for the day when we will share in that full glory because we will see and will be displays of glory, the glorious grace, mercy, and compassion, the love of God. Do that in us as a body, we pray. I encourage you to take this few moments. There's a few moments of silence. And Jane, she'll be on the piano after whatever amount of time. It's like less than a minute. So take this time of silence to, to engulf yourself in the truth of the word, the truth of the gospel. Let your mind be filled with it. And we'll sing, we'll pray. Let this be a special time between you and the Lord to ponder what we've seen from his word this morning. Please do that now.